Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to Emerald City Hockey Post Game Live. Mixed result there, right? I mean, at least the Kraken were able to pick up a point against the Detroit Red Wings, but yeah, I mean, still not uh, not quite the result we wanted coming back after that road trip. But hey, arguably the best performance the Kraken have ever had for a matinee game. That's kind of how I'm viewing this one, and I'm I'm going with that for for it. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, We'll get into it. We'll get into it as we always do here on Post Game Live, presented by Flatstick Pub. It's been great talking to people who were able to make the watch party that we had over at Flatstick. Heard nothing but good things. Everybody enjoyed the food, enjoyed the atmosphere, enjoyed the fact that it was a private room, right? That we were able to kind of host it in there. Got a TV set up, got a couple duffel board tables in there with everybody. And that just, you know, you had like your own little ECH space for everybody in the community to hang out at the watch party. So huge shout out to Flatstick Pub, particularly that South Lake Union location for uh, hooking us up for that one. And we are already talking with them about when we can do another one. And uh, hopefully it won't be such an early start so people won't have to miss it because of work and things like that. All right. So uh, jumping into this game. Yeah. I mean, 4-3 loss. Look, it kind of makes up for the game earlier in the year, right, where we won in overtime in their barn. So I guess we trade. The point is not bad for the Kraken, given, you know, St. Louis lost earlier. I know Minnesota was able to come back and win in that wild game that they had. But yeah, just because of the fight the Kraken had throughout this one, you really wanted to get the two points out of it and how well a lot of guys on the team were playing. Would have been nice to get the two points. But as Seth is saying here on the Super Chat, got to give some credit to Lions. Absolutely. Alex Lyons played in an incredible game for the Detroit Red Wings. We know the Kraken aren't necessarily a high shot volume team. That hasn't really been their identity here for, for the last little bit. But in this one, the Kraken end up with 41 shots. And to be honest, a lot of them were quality shots. Like I don't have the exact uh, expected goals number from the end of this one, but the Kraken were putting on a ton of quality chances. They were finding ways to get into the interior of the Detroit defense. They were getting shots that way. Uh, they were forcing Lions to make a lot of saves uh, to the side. Yeah, the shot chart for this one is incredible in favor of the crack and the deserved a winnow meter at 78%. It's got a bouncing around there uh, in this one. And then the Kraken with 4.11 expected goals. So yeah, the, the Kraken were just playing fantastic in this one. And Alex Lyons had to step up big to keep Detroit in the game. And that's what he was able to do. So yes, unfortunately, got to credit the other goaltender. Light with the super chat. Not the end of the world. Need a win next game. Yeah, I mean, the Kraken are really in territory where they need they need wins every game is the bottom line. I know it seems tight right now, like they're only what this is going to bring them three points back of a playoff spot uh, uh, in the wild card race there, I believe, if the standings are updated here. Um, yeah, so there's three points back. It seems tight, but we've been in this situation before, right? We remember it took us going on like a 10 game win streak to get back, like to, to make up a gap of what was, I think, five or six points before. So we know how difficult this can be and how much kind of sustained success the Kraken need in order for it to be um, to be viable there. But they're on their way. They have been playing very, very good hockey. You know, I thought this was arguably Joey Decord's worst game in a while. And that's saying something because even he looked fantastic through a lot of this one. But uh, I, I like the way the lines are set up right now. I think having Jaron McCann back up on the first line has done wonders. Obviously, he picks up two goals today. I thought the second line played very well. We get Jaden Schwartz goal. And 
Burakovsky, I think, had his best game of the season in this one. Like, I know Buchagross on the call on ESPN was just talking about how much the Kraken need Andre Burakovsky to step up and get a goal. He's only got the one goal on the season. But this game, Berkey was all over the place. He was generating offensive chances. He was dishing the puck fantastic. Andre Burakovsky, MVP for me, to be perfectly honest, I think, for this Kraken team. I, I just thought he played really, really fantastic in this one. Zoe, well, that was an unfortunate ending. It was. It was a it was a little sour, but still a really great game. And the fact that the Kraken were able to come back and tie it three separate times, right? It showed us this is that this is that never say die attitude that the Kraken had season one and season two. And we're seeing it here uh finally, season three, right? Um, so I I I also respect that aspect of this game. It's just the fact that the Kraken never gave up. They kept battling, they kept finding ways to get back in the game and eventually force the overtime, walk away with at least a point. I think that's a big improvement from really where they've been the vast majority of this season. Maddie, the D looked lost in overtime. They did. Uh, I think the four-on-four thing kind of threw them. I don't really know what was going on with Vince Dunn there because that last goal, it's really rough on Vince Dunn. If you go back and you look at the uh, the replay of that one, he's just coasting. He's just coasting back. He's He's puck watching. He's not keeping his head on a swivel. A lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, right, that's kind of been, you know, hurting the crack. And Vince Dunn kind of puts it all together there in overtime, allows Ben Sherratt to just step up into the slot. You know, prime scoring chance. I mean, guys score from there more than really anywhere else on the ice. And you just let him walk right in uh, and get that shot. You can't really afford to do that if you're Vince Dunn. So that that was an unfortunate um play there from from Vince Dunn, Maddie. I will agree with you there. Hi, Afra. <laughs> Getting in a little bit. You've had lots of treats today. We'll see. We'll see. Um, young Morte turnover woes. Absolutely. I mean, that's still a problem for the Kraken, uh, but it's I mean, it's every team, right? Like you just can't afford to turn over the puck again. There's so many good things the Kraken did in this one. And actually only two giveaways listed. I know that could be a little <laughs> not as the best, but yes, you don't want the in you don't want the turnovers at the wrong time, and that's really what kind of bit the crack in today is mostly what it was. Uh, Nicole, power play at the end of the game. There's really no excuse not to score and win. <sighs> yes, but also the power play went one for two today. It's better than they've been, right? Like they, they were generating more chances than they normally have been. So like I don't want to harp on the power play because they they look better than they have in weeks. But at the same time, I'm with you. That's a prime opportunity to, to to finally have a lead in this game, right? You've battled. You've fought your way back. You've put yourself in this position where you have an opportunity to win. You draw that power play. It, it would be nice to kind of then have the killer instinct and be able just to put it away uh, in that situation. I agree with that. Uh, on the onslaught, that Schultz-Dumo pair has got to go. <sighs> So this one's a really, really interesting one. One, I thought Brian Dumoulin was probably the best defenseman tonight, uh, or today, I should say. <laughs> it's not really night yet. Um, I thought Brian Dumoulin played a really fantastic game, particularly on the PK, uh, that one power play that Detroit had in the first period. I mean, Dumo was all over that one. Um, so I, I think Brian Dumoulin played a good game. And then here's the other thing. When you go and you look at, um, is it goals against per 60? Or, or like goal, you know, expected goals against per 60, that defensive pairing is third best in the league. <laughs> Go figure. Cause it really doesn't look like it when you watch them, but somehow they, they stop the, they, they managed to limit other teams a lot. I think a lot of that is Brian Dumoulin. I don't know how much of that is realistically uh, uh, Justin Schultz, but 
the numbers back up the pairing, even if the eye test doesn't. Uh, so I, I, I get where you're coming from there. I think Brian Dumoulin's been playing well. You know, I, I still think Riker Evans should probably be the guy in instead of Justin Schultz. Uh, Big Ron, can we get a face-off win? No, <laughs> that'd be face-offs, right? Like there's just a couple things that have just always bugged this team always always kept this team from being able to 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 find a way to come out on top in a lot of these one goal situations the power play being one although like i said earlier they're 50 percent today so it's kind of hard to get to get on them um and the other thing being face-offs right like face-offs is continues to just be a problem for them you wonder when belmar will come back you'd love to have him for some of these situations although in like, you know, an overtime or a late game situation in a tie game. I don't know realistically if you're going to throw Belmar out there. I, I don't know that I would, right, over over somebody else. I think some of this will just naturally get taken care of as Matty Benier spends more time in the league. Lately, his faceoff numbers have been, you know, a lot better. Today, 66.7% for him. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. But Yanni Gord struggled this year. And then that kind of rotation on the fourth center spot, you know, when you have like Yamamoto or Ty Cartier in, they're, you know, they're not used to taking a bunch of NHL level faceoffs all the time. So uh, it could be an issue further down the lineup for the Kraken. Julie, I was so proud of Borgen for holding himself back from retaliating and giving the team the power play opportunity at the end there. Alas, yes, but it is still important. We're proud of Borgen. We've got to talk about it. You know, good good on Will Borgen for, for not going Dundertaker right. I wonder what would happen if Vince Dunn was out there on the ice. Uh, that He did the right thing. You, you let the power play go, and then you try to go and beat him on the scoreboard, right? RJ talks about that a lot. I've talked about it in the past. Um, you, that's, that's how you, you get back at them truly. Right. And then if, you know, you feel like you need to next time you, you face Detroit, probably next year, I guess, uh, you could, you know, see if he drops the gloves, right. Olimata, not traditionally known as a fighter, Olimata, but you could see, you could try. Um, but yes, I, I'm also very proud of Will Borgen and really all the cracking on the ice there, right? Like they made sure they got in there. They were, they were, you know, John at them, all that kind of stuff, but they did not do anything to, to, you know, negate the fact that they were going to go to the power play. They knew that penalty was called right away and they, they wanted it. So that is good stuff. Hockey fork. If you're not picking up two, you are losing ground. I'm really not looking forward to the copium. I hope I haven't given you too much, but you know, a point is a point. And on a night where, like I said, Detroit, who is in that wild card spot, didn't get any you technically you did make up grounds right like you did make up a little bit of ground um you, again you want the two points each and every night you kind of need them the rest of the way but if you have to lose games losing in overtime is the way to go moving forward at least they've still never lost in regulation to the red wings from b isn't that weird isn't that so strange? The Kraken have never lost in regulation to the Detroit Red Wings. Very odd. Very odd. Yeah, two overtime losses now, and I believe four wins. Um, Julia Sprong scoring was inevitable. It absolutely was. Just could not stop. Could not stop talking about that. It's so funny. Could not, uh, you know, ahead of the game, during the game, everyone just like, Sprong's going to get one. Yes, you you said it too, Afra. Even you got on board with that. Sprong was going to get one, and uh, he did unfortunately uh because you know it would have been nice uh to not have that third goal on the board there you go there's treats there you go uh on onslaught uh, or zoe the funny part is the espn broadcast crew talked about the kraken having good defense well they have been right like the last look at the way they've won their last couple games it was low scoring 
keep the other team from from getting on the board. We'll score just enough. Rely on the good goaltending, whether it was Grubauer or Joey Decord, and that that's the plan. RJ and I've talked about that's probably the Kraken's best plan moving forward. It is it is crazy though the Kraken. They somehow find a way, you know, every every defense, every defensive core, all groups of guys like that are going to go through times where at some point during a game, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to let a guy get past you. You're going to let up just a little bit. You're going to choose the wrong assignment. There's a handoff in coverage that doesn't go the way you want it to. And it's going to lead to a good chance for the other team. It's kind of unreal that the Kraken will only make three or four of those mistakes a game and at least 50 percent of them result in goals. It does not work that way for other teams so consistently, or at least I feel like it doesn't. Um, I don't know what it is about this group, but you notice each and every time they make a mistake because a goal is scored. Adam Larson allowing that um, the second goal to Detroit, right? He just doesn't stick with Raymond. He doesn't box out Raymond. He lets Raymond move across the crease there behind Vince Dunn, who is completely engaged with another Red Wing. So it's not really like Larson can pass off that coverage. Raymond's there for a rebound, able to get the second goal for the Detroit Red Wings. Very noticeable mistake from Adam Larson. Rest of the game, he was making some incredible saves. I like the one where later on Raymond beats him back for a puck that wasn't going to go for icing. Adam Larson does a great job of dropping to a knee to block a pass in the corner. Like it was the sickest defensive play I've seen from him in a while. Fantastic play. He made several other, other plays, but the mistake he made that directly led to a goal you just can't afford to make those. Right. And so I know their inevitable mistakes happen. Guys get lost in coverage, all of that stuff, but it's, it's pretty unreal how so consistently it leads to goals for other teams when uh, it happens to the Seattle Kraken defenders uh, light with a super chat here. Thank you very much from the radio. It sounded like the Kraken were missing carts, physical presence feels like if yams is in, he needs that physical backup. I do think like they bring in Yamamoto for the skill, Right. Like that's the idea I would imagine is, you know, you, you go with yams over Cartier just because you want a little bit of additional skill, maybe an additional scoring touch. The problem is when yams is playing center, he's focused on too many other things because he's not used to playing center at the NHL level. And so he's focused on faceoffs. He's focused on trying to you know make sure he's covering things defensively. He's, he's playing in a completely different position from what he's used to. And he's playing in the position that requires the most amount of thinking out there on the ice possible playing center. And I just think that a lot of his skill and instinct doesn't translate to center. I know RJ's excited about the whole yams at center thing. We can talk to him about it later when he joins the broadcast, but I just don't think Yams is able to really bring his skill while he's at the center role, or at least it's going to take a while for him to acclimate to being a center at the NHL level. And I just don't know that the Kraken have the time for that. And so I'm with you. I, I think whether it's just needing more of the physical presence from Cartier, I just think that Cartier, because he just relies on, on playing a more physical game in general, it's not as specific to, you know, trying to find open ice and trying to, you know, make skill plays against certain position groups the way a winger would. I just think Cartier, he just kind of goes in and he just, you know, starts banging bodies. I feel like that's just a lot easier for him to translate over to center than Yamamoto's uh, game was. Uh, let's see, uh, Christian best performance for a matinee game. I'll take that. Yes. I, that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm staying with. Uh, Barbara. Hi, bye. Hi, Barbara. 
say goodbye. Uh, Julia, honestly, I feel like this team is going to drag us to the very end of the season with the possibility of getting into the playoffs, and then we'll miss it by like one point or a tiebreaker or something. Uh, it's a good... I think there's a very good chance of that. I think we're at the point where we should maybe start preparing ourselves for that. That does feel like, you know, something that could very well happen. It does feel like this team is going to be in it till the end. And that on the one hand, very excited. We're going to have a chance right up until the end. It's not like we're fans of, you know, Anaheim or San Jose or Chicago or Columbus where, you know, at this point of the year, you're just like, when will it be over? Right. The Kraken aren't going to do that to us, but on the other hand, yeah, it means if they do miss, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to hurt. There's no way around it. So um, I think maybe, maybe, you know, depending on who you are as a person, maybe start preparing for the worst. And then if things end up good, you're, you're set. I think that's never a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Stratic, I'm just glad we got a point. Just keep pointing. Yes. Just keep pointing. That needs to be the motto. Just, get a point, get a point, get a point. Uh, what's fascinating is I look at things here in the standings compared to these other teams uh, that the Kraken are up against. Well, obviously, the, the main thing that sticks out is the fact that all season long, the Kraken have been able to get these these uh, loser points, right? Uh, they have 11 overtime losses. You look at the Wild, next most with six, Calgary at five, and then both St. Louis and Nashville only at two apiece. So these loser points really do matter because the, the Kraken are right in there with all those other teams, despite the fact that they've won a lot less games. <laughs> and so it's a it's a big deal. They do add up. They are important. The other thing that uh, I'm noticing and I think is kind of fascinating is the Kraken somehow of all of these teams in the hunt for the second wild card spot, Kraken have the best goal differential at minus seven. That's surprising to me. I, I would not wouldn't think that would not think that um Lindsay, i want to see grubauer get the net soon do you think he'll start versus vancouver or minnesota i do um i think especially like i said earlier i thought this was arguably the worst game we've seen from joey in a, in a little while in a hot minute so i think we could see grubauer come back in uh sooner rather than later just because of that um i'm trying to pull up the the schedule just so i you know get it exactly right here um I can I can look at, at when guys might come in. Yeah, I, I don't think that, you know, Thursday against Vancouver would be the worst spot for Philip Grubauer. I think he's going to get one of those two games. I really don't see um, them waiting that long, right, to, to get him another game. So we'll see if, if Haxtell, you know, the fact that they have two games off, but two days off between now and that Vancouver game, maybe that means they go back to Joey just because that's kind of how Hackstall's rolled all year. When there's that extra rest, he will go with his number one. And that has been Joey for several months now. So maybe we see Joey versus Vancouver and then grew against Minnesota. And then that gives Joey, you know, three days off before Boston next Monday. I could see something like that. If I had, if I had to go just based off Hackstall in the past, that's what I would, that's what I would kind of say. But, um, Every time we've done that in the past with, with Hackstall, he ends up, he, he, he decides now is the time to change it. So maybe he's going to listen to this and just go, well, now Grubauer for, for Vancouver all the way. Who knows? Um, Riley with the super chat here. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm not too concerned by this loss, but Francis needs to get busy in this offseason. We cannot keep relying on these aging forwards who don't produce. Uh, yes. I mean, the forward group again for them is like, they, they have a lot of depth that they're going to be able to start cycling in uh, over the next little bit. You need that star player might not be able to realistically happen in the off season. It's going to be tough. He's going to have to get creative for that. Um, 
yeah, that's it's it's going to be an interesting offseason for sure. I think the defense right now is the thing that really they need to come together and, and try to find a way uh, to to be a little bit more consistent. Right. Like the fact that you can have games where Vince Dunn is just rock solid. Other guys aren't. Then you have other games like today where other guys are rock solid, like at Brian Dumoulin. And then you have Vince Dunn just falling asleep in overtime. Right. I think the consistency on defense is is important. And I I do wonder if maybe we see something there. Um, Got RJ joining in, though. How's it going, RJ? Good to be back at CPA. Yes, definitely good to be back. I mean, that's the best part is getting to come back here for a game. I really did miss it. That is good. Glad to have you uh, there. I hope the uh, the afternoon sun was nice coming in the window or what? Sun well, the window was be. only open for warm ups, unfortunately. Sad face. That's not good. Uh, I got this for you to start things off from Julia. Was RJ in charge of the Twitter today? Because as soon as I saw the tweet with hat trick in it, I was like, lol, it's so over. I was in charge of the Twitter today. I'm in charge of the Twitter just about every day. Um, yeah, I. It's the middle of the second period. He was on hat trick watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hey, he had two goals. In your defense, RJ, Buchagross mentioned it every single time Jared McCann touched the puck. So, yeah. Well, there you go. You're but also, <laughs> right. But also, I, I think I use the powers for good here because I, well, never mind. Actually, I'm going to, never mind. Yep. Good, I forgot good that job. didn't end well. Good job. Uh, all right. What were what were your impressions of seeing this game in person? Because I thought this was a great effort from the team, the way they were able to battle back and tie the game on three separate occasions. Right. I, I thought it was a good effort, too. Like, I mean, again, they never were out of a game. They never let it slip away. And I thought they started really well. I was surprised by how well they started in this one, given that they were off for three days. I mean, I know they had a couple of practices, but the Kraken usually struggled in those situations. And then also the fact it was a 1230 start time. These early start times tend to throw off this team, but they were ready to play from the opening puck drop. And I was impressed by what they were able to do. They deserved a lot better than one-to-one after the first period, I thought. Um, but unfortunately, that's how it goes sometimes. And I know, you know what? I think the biggest indicator that this is an effort that generally they can be proud of is we talked to Jared McCann right after the game. He was the first player we got for media. And you know he's one to be really frustrated with himself, with the team, with everything when they don't win. Nobody hates losing more than he does, but he did talk about how, you know, it was a good effort, how, you know, it was a good thing that they came back and tied it. You know, he said that's kind of the only good part of the game because you don't get the second point, but he didn't seem as disappointed as he usually is after a loss. Yeah, no, and I don't think they really should be. I know you want the two points that extra point, you know, it matters right now at this point in the season, given where they are in the standings. But the fact that they were able to get the one point and just put on the effort that they had. I mean, they generated so many chances in this one, RJ. When was the last time Kraken had more shots on goal than the other team? And they backed it up with the vast majority of them being quality shots. Like this was a great offensive look for the Kraken, even though they weren't able to outscore the other team. Right. They threw a lot of quality chances at the Red Wings. And look, Alex Lyon just had a great game, especially early on in the game. He was reading the play so well. He's a smaller goalie, so you could kind of beat him clean on a shot sometimes because he doesn't take up a ton of net. But man, he just knew where every puck was going to go, it felt like. I mean, the one time he really got frozen was on that no-look pass from Yanni Gord, which is absolutely beautiful to get it over to Jaden Schwartz. And But every other time, it's just he was able to be like a foot ahead of where he should have been just because he could read where the play was going. Yeah, no, that was the first comment we talked about today was just how how great he was. Um, Northwood snake would have loved the win, but the Kraken looked good. I'm not devastated by this. A point is a point for sure. 
Um, was the overtime goal kind of weak? Should Joey have had that from Christian, RJ? I mean, it's a tough one because Sherratt's in a really dangerous spot on the ice, kind of middle of the slot. And also, Decord, he's got to worry about a couple passing options, one on either side of him. You know, you might like your goalie to have that save, but, you know, it's not one that worries me a ton. Um, really, and, and Haxtell talked about that overtime goalie. So really the difference is, you know, we just gave a puck back one too many times. And really, he just didn't like turning the puck over to the Red Wings that led to that play. Yeah, and I would argue also, you know, it's it was a bad positioning, bad effort or whatever you want to call it from Vince Dunn. I talked about this earlier. Yep. He's just coasting back puck watching. He never turns his head to see Sherratt's there. It's his assignment to kind of step up and not let him field that pass cleanly and then get that look. So, you know, I, I wouldn't put it on Joey. That's just a tough spot. I mean, more goals are scored there than just about anybody anywhere else. Um, Demiers, I was wondering if I was noticing Burakovsky because he was playing better or because the ESPN broadcast was talking about him a lot. Uh, yes, they, they very much talked about Berkey a lot on the broadcast about how he, they need more out of him. That was less like the, the theme of the game. But I thought Berkey, probably team MVP for this one, RJ. I mean, he was all over the ice, generating chances, pushing the puck up the ice. Him in the neutral zone was fantastic in this one. And this has happened for a few games now. I think we pointed it out on previous post games that Burakovsky's playing really well. I mean, he's starting to look like his old self. He hasn't been rewarded on the score sheet for it. Man, it felt like he couldn't catch a break in this one, too. There was just chance after chance after chance. Up in the press bridge, we kind of just started talking about it, right? Whenever he got another chance mm -hmm. where he couldn't score. He's due. He's absolutely so due for some points. So I, I like the way he's playing. And I mean, yes, the Kraken need more production out of him. But if he keeps playing like this, it'll come. Yeah. And Sam, would you say that Berkey has been Don Scoid this year? Yeah, probably. I think that's that's appropriate. Yeah, I mean, down to the injuries, too. I know, I know. Uh, Stratic, remember when Daniel used to score those goals for us? Oh, the memories. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It was seeing Daniel Sprung. It was nice seeing Daniel Sprung back here, and of course he scores at his return to Seattle. I felt like we all kind of saw that coming. Um, mm -hmm. I was expecting maybe a little more on the celebration, but he kept it pretty muted. And I will say, after the game, after we finished with media and everything, I was walking through the tunnel, and I did see Daniel walking out of the Red Wings locker room, pizza in hand, uh, enjoying the win, and he, he said a quick hello. But, uh, yeah, so it was good to see him again, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, he gets one against the Kraken. Yeah, I had to see him a little bit too much uh, for this game, a little bit. Uh, Bryce, Matt Beneers, please. Yeah, sorry, Bryce. I should, I, should have, I should have done that, like the broadcast, and called him Matt Beneers. Did they really? It's an e it was an ESPN broadcast. Of course they did, RJ. <laughs> All right, I believe it. You were very, everybody who attended this game in person, good for you. <laughs> so that's what I will say. <laughs> um, let's see. Even if the team was at the same point totals, I'm missing the sprung entertainment value from Striatic, just to kind of finish up there uh, with that stuff. Um, let's see. Zoe, considering what happened with Dunn at the end, maybe it would have been better for him to have been in the box for overtime because we were talking about what a great job from Will Borgen right after the the, uh, the, the cross-check boarding situation on Jared McCann. He goes over, he lets Olimata know that he's upset, but he doesn't take a penalty, right? He doesn't go over the top. He doesn't go full Dundertaker, right? They, the Kraken are able to get that penalty late. Uh, and I said, you know, if it was Vince Dunn, it probably ends a little bit different and then, yeah. Yeah, probably. But that's like, I'm sure you covered it already, but that's such great situational awareness, knowing the time and spot in the game, not taking the penalty. And ideally, you just want to go beat him on the scoreboard because that's the thing that's going to make him pay the most. Yeah. Uh, Brooke and Anders here talking about how many Red Wings fans were in the building. 
There were a lot. Yeah. A lot of red. There was an octopus thrown after the game. There were let's go Red Wings chants. Yeah, they made their presence felt. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Um, Elizabeth, how long? What? I found something on this. Well, we were just talking about Sprung. I just found this sign here on the seat right next to me. I didn't even notice it till now. But uh, yeah, still a fan favorite in Seattle for sure. Yep, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, how long until those overtime losses come back to bite us in the behinds from Elizabeth there, RJ? I mean, right now, it's the thing keeping the Kraken in there. The fact that they have almost twice as many as the next closest team that's in the hunt here. Right now, lost points certainly could come back to bite the Kraken. I mean, it's such a close race. You could see by the end of it, it could be one or two points that make the difference. But, you know, for me, it's not the OTLs that I feel like make the biggest difference because that is so hard to control. Overtime, three on three, it's chaotic. Shootouts especially, too, that contributed the OTLs. That doesn't bother me. It's dropping two points against San Jose or games like that where you just had a winnable game and didn't bring the effort. So, you know, if if the Kraken do finish a point or two short, that's where I'm going to be looking, not at the OTLs. I agree with that. I, I I'm right there with you. And OTLs are one of those weird things too, where it's it's. I, I feel like nothing else in hockey uh, is is quicker to identify the optimists than the pessimists, right? Because some people look at them and they look at a lot of a lot of points left on the board. Well, it's eleven points. You know, you could have won the game and gotten those extra points. I look at it and I go, that's a lot of games you could have lost in regulation, gotten nothing for. Right. And those 11 points are keeping a team in it and it's doing what the league wanted, which is more teams are involved later in the year, more fan bases care later in the year. And I am for that. Uh, We did talk earlier, though, RJ does feel like, you know, one of the one of the situations that could very easily play out for the Kraken is that they are in it until the very bitter end and they lose out by like a point or two. And that's going to be rough. Yeah. It does feel you know, like it's headed somewhere close to that, whether they're in or out by that close. I mean, Dave Haxtell even said with the OTLs after the game, he said, there's two ways you can look at it. You could be happy with the point that we earned, or you could be pissed off that we didn't get a second point, and you can use that and, and kind of channel it for the next game. Yeah, so, um, well, there we go. We didn't say which one to do, but... <laughs> I think it varies depending on the game. I think there are some games where you Uh look at it and it's like, well, we let in like two goals late and they tied it and forced overtime and it was a nightmare for us. And there's other times where you're like, we had no business walking out of here with something and we did. So, uh, you know, it's probably a game by game basis. By Ren, you know who's better in expected goals against per 60 than Dumoulin Schultz? Dumoulin Evans. So that was part of the conversation we had earlier was uh, somebody had mentioned that they were just kind of sick of that pairing. I thought Brian Dumoulin, arguably the Kraken's best defenseman in this one. I thought he had a strong game from from what I was seeing, especially back on that early uh, penalty kill that the Kraken had in the first period. Uh, but I did mention I, I kind of like Dumoulin Evans a little bit more than Schultz, and apparently the numbers back me up there. Right. I, I thought Dumoulin was great in this one. There were a few defensive plays that I noticed. I'm trying to remember the, the details of these specific play, right? But there was a turnover in the Kraken's D zone. It led to a two-on-one for the Red Wings back the other way. And Dumoulin was the one defenseman back. And the Red Wings player was already kind of set up, loaded, ready to go for a one-timer. And he just inched over to him just enough to take that one-time option away. It gave Joey Decord an easy shot that he could see. It's subtle things like that, the veteran instincts that Dumoulin really has. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of Kraken defensemen were screening Joey Decord today. <laughs> Like that was another and thing forwards. we haven't talked about that. Yeah, forwards a defenseman in this one just in Joey's face all game long. I mean, I, I don't understand why, like why that was a problem today. But you could you could argue that like two goals came out of that. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a result of having three days between games. Maybe that's the one thing that was kind of still rusty about him. I mean, they, they kind of knew that they did it at a certain point. Like, you look at the first goal, that was obviously a result of the screen from Ellie Toll, but it, he knows it, and he immediately goes over to Joey like, hey, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, no, I, I know. It's just it's a rough situation. I talked about it earlier. With the Kraken defense, it feels like when they make a mistake, they make a mistake about as often as all defensive cores make a mistake. just seems like the, the mistakes that they make result in goals against way more often than other teams have to deal with that situation. So it just feels yeah. really rough. Um, Maddie, if we could go back in time, do you think we should have kept one of Sprong, Donato, or Geeky? I think if you could go back, I would say that you probably want to keep Ryan Donato, RJ, and I would argue probably at the expense of Yams, bringing in bringing in Yams. Yeah, I, I think you want to probably keep one of those three. Uh, Yamamoto would be the one to to not bring in. But it's tough because Donato got a multi-year contract too. I mean, that's the one where it's a little tougher because he got multi-years. He got, you know, I think just about Sprong money. Like if, if you could just take their current contract and transfer that over the Kraken, I'd take Sprong because he's on another one-year deal. And it's amazing. He's still doing his thing. He's going to get a career high in points. He's on pace for it. Still playing fourth line minutes. Like right. you could just have him doing the same thing here. But, but before, I just don't think he, he and Hackstall could have coexisted. That's the problem. No, no, that would not have happened. Um, I, I mean, it's crazy because when they were bringing in Patrick Kane right before they had a bunch of injuries, I mean, he was in the conversation to be the healthy scratch with Patrick Kane coming into the lineup, like even Detroit, he was producing at that point, but even Detroit was just like, the, the defense is just so bad. <laughs> it doesn't matter for them. And and then they had a bunch of injuries. He was able to stay in the lineup and he's continued to produce. But I think it's got to be very telling that everywhere that guy has gone, teams insist on him being on the fourth line, no matter what his production is. Right. I am, and I get that, but I, I get he's useful for you on the fourth line. He's a good piece to have yes. there. Yeah. I don't understand. It's like the hockey mentality thing where you'll have guys that are great defensively, but contribute no offense. So, you know, like one or two goals a season. Coaches love those guys, put them on a fourth line because they could grind it out and play the right way. But you have a guy who does the other thing, produces a lot. And yeah, maybe he's not good in the D zone. That's bad. You can't have that as like a borderline lineup player. Well, I would I would argue that it's usually for one of two things. One, you're keeping them for the playoffs, and you know because you talk about this all the time. If you got a forward who could just beat up a defense over a seven game series, yeah. you'll take that, right? Uh, the other thing is, you know, I I look at somebody like a Brandon Tanev on the Kraken. He's not the most offensively gifted guy. We know that he's not the most skilled, but he he plays solid defense and he plays solid on the PK, right? Like he is their best penalty. Yeah, the PK killer, ability so is the differentiator. Yeah, and so I feel like if Sprong was Sprung as on good the power on the play, power... though, but yeah, yeah but he's not as good on the power play as Tanner. Like, yeah, I gotcha. if he was Ovechkin level, then yeah, you're like, oh, absolutely, this guy's <laughs> gonna have a role everywhere because you need him for your power play. I feel like, you know, it, I don't know. Uh, one thing though, just because I mentioned Yams, we were talking about him earlier. The whole Yams versus Cartier thing. I feel like when the Kraken insert him, it's usually to go with a more skill based lineup and to have his skill in the lineup. But I'm just wondering if him playing center, RJ, I'm not seeing a lot of skill from him. It looks like he's just thinking about so many things as he adjusts to that position at this level that I don't know that he's really able to bring the skill that they're hoping he brings when they put him in the lineup. Yeah, you know what? I hate to say it, but I'm kind of over Yams, the fourth line center. I know how much he enjoys playing center. I like Karche better in that spot. And I thought he was playing well in that spot. I was kind of surprised to see them change it up for this game. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, let's see. On Onslaught, our second goal has 12 even strength goals all season for a line that gets 17 plus minutes a game. That's brutal. It is. 
It is. I mean, look, it's it's it is a line though where a lot of times that is the line that's used to match up against the other team's top line and shut them down, right? Like that has been Wenberg's role, and then his line, his wingers have shifted a million times over the course of the years as guys have been hurt and just the normal cycling and lineup shuffling that that Dave Haxtall does. So I feel like a little bit of that can be excused just because their role oftentimes is to be more defensively focused. But yeah, you know, I, the whole team, though, you could argue should have more goals. <laughs> That's true. I mean, and you look at like the Gord line just does all the really heavy lifting. It allows the Matty Veneers line to get more advantageous chances, which I mm-hmm. think they really needed at times this year. So I think that might result uh, be one of the results. I was going to say, I got to imagine the Matty Veneers line probably has less goals. Or if, if they don't, then it's a recent development that they don't. Uh, Stratic, if the PWHL has taught us anything, it's that the trapezoid is a useless invention of goalie haters and us goalie lovers should band together to ban the trapezoid and free Joey. Agreed. Yes, they should do that. Again, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. Like, I don't feel like it makes a difference in a lot of situations. And also, I think goalies, it's probably going to be good for offense. Because most goalies can't play the puck like Joey Decord. Mm-hmm. I think they're more prone to make a mistake than they are to make a good play to help their team get out of the zone. Yeah, well, and I just don't even think... Especially the, the further situ- they are from their net. Right, and so many teams, like, I don't know that realistically you're going to really build in the fact that if you do have a goaltender like Joey who can play the puck, I don't know that you're going to see a lot of the stuff from, like, the 90s, early 2000s that you were seeing from the Devils and Brodeur that ultimately led to it, right? Like, I just don't think teams are going to play that way <laughs> anyway. Like, right, I just the don't... game moves too fast now. You can't really yeah. venture into the corners as much because uh, guys are going to be on you faster. Yeah, you could you could have a goaltender only play the puck in the corner like two or three times all season. I just don't I don't get it. I I but I thought it was going to go away 10 years ago and it hasn't. So I don't know. Um, Oliver Bjorkstrand, one shot on goal, 15 minutes of ice time. Not good from Robert is a little bit of a rough game. He looked a little slow to me today. I don't know if he's dealing with something, but I did think that the Yanni Gord line really as all of them kind of struggled in this one outside of when Yanni came on uh, to help out in that one situation. <laughs> Yeah, on that line, I pretty much just noticed Yanni. I thought he brought it tonight, but the other two, maybe not as much. Uh, but that pass was amazing. That was play of the game. Such a good pass. Oh, absolutely. Like, no no question there. Um, let's see. I want a good Joey start on Saturday for my birthday game. I'll be attending for Maddie. We were talking about which goaltender you go with moving forward uh, for the next couple of games. I think they got to get grew in there again just because he looks so good against the Islanders, RJ. My guess is with Hackstall... He had a couple days off uh, between the last game and this one, so he goes with Joey. I think it's a similar situation for Vancouver. Two days rest, he can go with Joey. Otherwise, I think it's Gru will get in on uh, Saturday for Minnesota. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I think it'll be Joey next game, right, because of the the rest, and then got to give Gru at least one of these. Yeah, Um, that. although I could see it the other way just because I do think this was Joey's roughest game that we've seen from him in a little while. It yep. wasn't bad, don't you. get me wrong, but like it was, I don't know. He didn't quite a feel step like below Joey. his normal excellence. Yeah. He was allowing rebounds that he doesn't normally allow. That That's really what I'm That's the biggest about. thing I noticed. Yeah. The rebound control was a little bit iffy. Yeah. Um, let's see. You can, uh, can't be too upset with my, uh, with the fellow Swede getting a goal tonight. Yesterday, my son and I exited the iceplex and happened to walk into the Red Wings as they try to sneak into the side door. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's so fun. <laughs> yeah, um, they did practice there yesterday. 
Yeah. Uh, Debrinket, uh, looks like Debrinket. I joked to my son, then the guy next to him turned and saw the Swedish national team jersey I was wearing. He smiled and nodded, took two steps forward and signed the jersey. Oh, that's awesome. That's oh, a that's fun great. story. Yeah, that's a good story. Uh, really, really like that one. Uh, let's see. Some people talk about some offseason like trade uh, scenarios from everybody. Um, Riley, Maddie's uh, talking about who's untouchable. Uh, yes, I was going to say somebody's list earlier did not have Maddie Beneers on there. Maddie Beneers probably should be untouchable. Yep, <laughs> just, definitely. Just say, just say. Um, Zoe Canneran, uh, 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 Yorkstrand are now tied at 41 for top score with Dunn one behind at 40. Talking about the points there. Um, let's see, it's good. Uh, Stratic, all pizza strong. His celebration was muted because he still loves us, the Kraken fans. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So yeah, I, I think, yeah, exactly. I think if they're like, is what it was at the ducks that he had that celebration where he's just like, you know, you know who you are or whatever. He kind of showed it up to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sprong with 15 goals this season would be second on the Kraken right after Jared McCann, right? Could have used those goals, but alas. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the graphics that they had was just the fact that Kraken have, you know, one 15 goal scorer this season. <laughs> It's not, yeah. you know, we're 50 something games in. You kind of want more than that. One of the ones, though, that I did think was interesting. Did anybody catch this graphic? They had it up at the bottom of the screen, and it was about the Kraken allowing the fewest goals off of one timers. Did I read that graphic no. right? Did anybody else see that? Because uh, I thought that was a very interesting thing. But as I was thinking about it, yeah, I don't remember too many times where we've been kind of killed by one timers. Like, that's one of the few things we do kind of keep from happening. No, I mean, all I can think about is the Arizona game where, what is it, Keller who scored the same goal twice on the same one-timer play, but pretty few and far between. Yeah, no, I know. it's it's It doesn't happen often, and I do think that that's because, you know, look, the crack of defense, they'll let you walk right in on them, but they are generally pretty good at blocking the, the pass across. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like in overtime, you take that Sherratt play away, you get right on him, there is a one-timer available to mm-hmm. him if you can get the pass there. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, uh, Jessica, for a twelve thirty game, less of a disaster than I thought. We had some excellent chances and some really fun shifts to watch. Now I go home to nap and then start my day. Good stuff, Jessica. Red Wings fan club in here. It was good effort. Wings and Kraken are always a good matchup. I agree with that. I mean, I talked about it earlier, RJ. Both teams won in each other's barn in overtime. Like, yeah, we got a thrilling one last time. The one in Detroit earlier this season. Yeah, yeah it always does seem to be a good game. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Jessica, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out who on the team was a morning guy and who was a night guy based on how they were playing. I can't believe the start time. Did international fans like it? <laughs> Probably I hope not. they did. I mean, maybe. We'll see. Uh, they didn't like the fact that it was on ESPN based on Discord. I will say that. Right. Um, <laughs> that is for sure. Um, let's see. Uh, is, uh, is there Sprong and Hackstall lore that I'm not up to date on from Maddie? No, I mean, just that he, you know, wanted to bench him a lot. Yeah, I mean, Haxtell, like most NHL coaches, you know, he values the defensively responsible side of the game. Sprong doesn't necessarily bring that as much, you know, just that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Okay, so no, so uh, it looks like the stat might have been that the Kraken have the fewest overtime, uh, one-timer goals, excuse me. That would also make sense. <laughs> I could see both of them being realistic <laughs> scenarios. They just play really low event one-timer hockey, RJ. <laughs> I guess so. 
Because, yeah, I can't remember the last time the Kraken really had a one-timer goal. I'm willing, there's know, a reason they don't really have it as, set, as the setup on the power play anymore. Uh, they just don't have guys who naturally do that. Tolpenin's the only one. I was just going to say, I would I would feel like their, their power play would be better if they did. Yes, I think it would. <laughs> That's, that could still be so rough, the power play. Although, I like the power play in this one, RJ. I mean, they were one for two. I know people were upset that they weren't able to take advantage of the one late. But again, I think you got to give credit where credit's due. That first power play they had in this game looked so good. Yeah, it did. They were moving the puck around. You had the players moving around. And I mean, that McCann shot on the power play is just ridiculous. Like, that's it what is. you have instead of the one-timer threat. Like, that's right. that's his version of the one-timer. Right. I just, what could they do to, to let him use it more, right? Because that's part of the problem, I feel like, is you can have teams like Washington or um, Tampa Right with Ovechkin or Stammer, and they have like just this this one-time shot. Everybody in the world knows it's coming, and yet it still works year after year. At least it, it did up until recently. Um, I just don't feel like it. I feel like teams know to wait just to have somebody play up high near McCann. Don't let him get that shot off clean, and they're able to like get by with it. I'm like, why? How, why do they stop this? Well, that nobody stopped Ovechkin for half, you know, a decade and a half. Right. But well, as with any other successful power play, I think you need a threat on the other side, something they have to watch out for. If you had a legit one time option on the right side, then they'd have to kind of cover it would give McCann more space. But they really don't. And I think that's what it is. I mean, you look at Ovechkin, you had Carlson on the other side, you have TJ Oshie, you know, you had guys lined up on the other side, other threats on that power play. And I mean, like for Stamkos and Tampa, you've got Kucherov on the other side, you could go either way to them. And it's just, you can't cover both. All right. All right. Bring your logic into it. If you want to, it's fine. Uh, Lindsay. Hey, the Schwartz early for that today. Yeah. I'm not ready for it. Uh, Lindsay. Hey, the Schwartz goal was on the delayed penalty. So the power play was kind of two for three, not the issue with this one. Definitely. That's what I'm saying. I thought they played really well. And yeah, I mean, good to bring that up. That is another instance of yes, the Kraken had the man advantage, so to speak, and they were able to score there. And with a, with a type of play that we really don't see often from them right? Something like that. But again, I love it, RJ, because there was good player movement and that's what allows it to happen. And then the sick pass from Yanni Gord, of course. Yeah. Well, to freeze everybody, power, uh, player movement, sorry, it just freezes the defender because yep. they don't know where everybody's going. You can't keep track of where everyone is. And, and that's how you set up a play like that. Yeah. So maybe that's the trick, everybody. It's not that we need them to decline all the penalties. We need them to just pull the goalie, don't give over possession and play six on five for a while. Yeah, there you go. Without the threat of the empty debtor coming back to haunt us. <laughs> yeah, that's the only issue. Uh, Maddie, I'm still trying to figure out what we're going to do at the trade deadline. There's so many possibilities. Again, it's just going to come down to where they're at in the standings. I mean, they're and they're doing a really good job of just hanging right in the right middle in there. Yep, they're just going to thread this needle no matter what. Oh, man, it's it's kind of wild. 4-3 um, yet again from Jay. Also, Jay reminding everybody like the stream. Thank you. Yes, another 4-3 game, RJ. On, like, it's incredible. Is that well, I wonder what's the average, though, goals been for, for NHL games this year? Because I wonder if that's just in line with everybody. Right. Like, well, I, like I mean, it's got to be higher. It would be 4-3. You know what? The old adage was it's a 3-2 league, but now the league's higher scoring. It might be a 4-3 league now. 
Yeah, I, I would I would believe it. Sam, question, what's the plan for our 4C next year behind Maddie, Yanni, and most likely Shane? Bring in a veteran or call up a prospect. Plan for next season cannot be wait for OFM. <laughs> Oscar Fisker Volgard. <laughs> yeah. Probably um, bring in a veteran. Yeah. I think. Just bring in a vet free agent. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no reason to rush anybody. I'm liking Ryan Winterton on the wing, like he's been playing in Coachella Valley. I think long term, realistically, that's probably where he should be. Um, so I don't think, you know, even though he's looking really good, I don't think he would make sense there. So yeah, bring in a veteran. It'd be interesting to see who. There's always options though. Those bottom six centers, oh, yeah. like you can always find somebody uh to to bring in and do that. Uh, let's see, uh, Maddie. I think we should bring sh- uh, right up just for kicks and giggles right now. I I still think that's going to happen towards the end of the year. Like I think potentially, regardless of what situation the Kraken are in, I think we could see that happening towards the end of the year. Certainly, if they're out of it, like let's say they really fall off, they maybe sell off Wenberg or something. I think we'll see him at the end of the year get up and you know they give him the six games they can without burning the ELC. Yeah, and I think the closer you get to the end of the year, too, the less danger you have of he just plays out of his mind, and then you're like, okay, well, do we keep him up? Do we have to make a tough decision? It's toward the end of the year. You can always, especially if you you know don't play as well as a team, right? You just send him back to Coachella Valley, have him get ready for that playoff run, and you know you don't have a difficult decision to make. Yeah, but I also wonder if there's a certain if they are close and they're still in it. I do wonder if there are certain scenarios where they might consider doing that too. Just because, like, mm-hmm. if if they're needing goals, like if they if it's still like this, where it's just like they just need that little bit extra offense, I could see them bring him in, maybe even stick him on a wing. You see how he does? Maybe you make the playoffs. Maybe he plays well, and then he becomes this year's Ty Cartier, so to speak. Right. I mean, it's certainly that possibility. Two weeks left on the season, and it's just like this. You got to think about it. You got to throw everything at the wall, right? Like you just got to go yep. for it. I think so. That's that's why I could kind of see it in both scenarios. Um, let's see. Lindsay Schwartz took three to five business days to shoot that puck on goal. Lol. My heart leapt out of my chest waiting for him to rip it. It was okay though, because Lyons was down and out. Like he was fine. Yeah. He got lucky about that. Actually, we did talk to Schwartz on that one after, after the game. And he just said, he was kind of talking through the play and he's like, yeah, Yanni made a great pass. And just, um, you know, he's like, I'm not even sure what happened to the goalie. Something happened to him because he was just down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was a little nervous that maybe he wouldn't put that in in time. But really, it's just Yanni's making a good pass. Like, he he threw off everybody, Schwartz included. Yeah, well, I think it was one of those where if we were to go back, it probably realistically wasn't that long. Like, I'd be shocked if he really held on to it. You know, at, at real second. speed, yeah. Slow-mo, yeah. it seems like a lot. But because of the setup being so perfect and everything else happening so quickly, that was the slow part of the play. And so, yeah, it feels all like uh, dragged out light with the super chat. I think the Kraken can realistically get away with a soft sell at the deadline, but still push for the postseason, which I think would be good for season ticket holders. Um, also, with Maddie getting more minutes than most of the D-men today, I think he's proving he's a lot more than uh, than a depth center, like some are saying. He's uh, he's doing a lot to try and be a difference maker. Agreed. And I think defensively, he is a difference maker. Um, but yeah, the idea of a soft sell, I mean, would that be, There's, I guess, moving out Justin Schultz? Schultz would be the one that I think, and then you just fully commit to Riker Evans. And if you have an injury on D, you know, too bad. You just bring up a guy from the Firebirds. Uh, Kale Fleury's looked pretty good. I've been watching a lot of Firebird stuff to get ready for the uh, prospect chat, which is tomorrow. Everybody, uh, over on Patreon, you can come check that out. And, yeah, go uh, check it out. 
yeah, Flurry's looked pretty good. So I think you could get by with him as the seventh D if you needed to, uh, just fine. Hope Shane heals up quickly from that injury a few days ago. That was a nasty hit from Sam. Yeah, it was. That was brutal. Yeah, no, I mean, it was. I mean, just right that his helmet goes flying. I mean, that's alarming in itself. Uh, yeah, hopefully he's all right. You know, shame that, like, I know Jen just made that trip down to Coachella Valley. Unfortunately, couldn't see Shane since uh, that hit. But uh, hopefully he's all right. Dylan, why do the franchise cornerstone centers have to have what I'm, you know, guessing are head injuries? I, yeah, I, that one's interesting because, like, when you watch it happen real time, um, I do wonder if it, if it is possible that it's actually a chest injury, uh, just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of given how the play happens and how quick he is to hop up and get off, um, kind of like, and the way he carries himself. I mean, maybe this is just wishful thinking on my part because I don't want it to be a head injury, but I do think just like he was very fast to get up and skate off. Like he was a, like he did not look concussed. Yeah, you don't, all, you don't have right, the spaghetti legs way. or anything. Yeah. 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 So I, that's, that's at least giving me a little bit of hope. And Light saying, I still don't know if Shane got hit in the head. I think it was just up high on his shoulder. It's kind of what I was thinking too, like the way it goes. Now, maybe it was just he was, you know, my helmet's off. I have to get off the ice. And so he just got off the ice quick like that. But yeah, his, his head didn't hit the ice, as Light is saying. Yeah, I, I don't know that there was specifically contact to the head or how much of it was there. Mm-hmm. That being said, you never know. Sometimes really benign things yeah. can lead to well, like a whiplash effect or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so definitely not a, you know, doctor here uh scott maddie just needs another 20 pounds and he'll be a true force on offense 20 pounds might be a little aggressive rj but i know this is something you've been talking about all year yeah i wouldn't go as far as 20 pounds but just you know maybe five or ten just really targeted to specific areas to help him deal with that contact it's more of an off-season thing but i think that's something they'll probably work on over the summer uh, yeah, I know he's 178 listed at 62. He's not 62. Uh <laughs> listed at 178 though. I I still don't know that he really needs that much just because he's not an interior offensive guy. Like he just never has been. It's just not his game. So now maybe it should be and that is the thing that he needs to step up and that will lead to more consistent production offensively for him. I think that's definitely a good argument. It's a strong argument that's where goals are scored a lot of times for these guys. So, you know, you could definitely make the argument, but I just, if his frame doesn't want to hold it and he's playing good defense and it's not really his game anyway, I don't know how much I would really want to force it upon him to both be heavier and play different, you know? Right. Well, I mean, you don't necessarily have to change your whole game around. It's just, there's certain situations that he finds himself in as a center that it would be beneficial. I think. Yeah. I, well, that I agree with, right? Like there are times where you need to be able to go in there. So, you know, five to 10 pounds I'd be on board with, but I think anything beyond that, I would start getting a little nervous that you just don't want to end up, you know, hurting other aspects of his game because maybe he's a little slower or he's just not used to playing with it. Um, let's see, Maddie. I didn't realize how few goals uh, Berkey had until the broadcast told me about it every five minutes. It was unrelenting. <laughs> was it really? So unrelenting. Butchergrass could not let it go. Just And here's Andre Burakovsky, who the Kraken need more out of. Only one goal on the year. Andre Burakovsky's got the puck now. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, like There's other people that, that also have not been performing. I don't know. Like On both of these Glad teams. I can watch this one live, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, the broadcast mentioned that they thought Maddie needed to gain weight in the offseason. Uh, that's from Maddie. They did. They did mention that. Um, 
Let's see. Jay, Maddie needs to meet up with the big dumper and find out his workout. <laughs> Again, let's not go overboard here, but yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Bryce, to be fair, they also talked about chicken parm again. Yeah, they'll never not. Never not. We'll never get through a game without it, unfortunately. Here's a good, here's a better thing to talk about. Brooke, Ebb's almost at a thousand games. Do we think he'll be here after the deadline? I think so. I think it's it's more than likely that he will be here after the deadline. I don't see them moving him. And yeah, the milestone is pretty much right after the deadline. Yeah, I, I think he'll be here. I think he's the least likely guy to be moved of the three guys on expiring contracts who could be moved. I think he's definitely the least likely. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think we're there. Uh, Cole, though, asking Rangers are in need of a right wing after the um, Wheeler injury. Everly, I know I've seen that linked out there a lot, but I also... I've also been seeing stuff about, you know, Everly kind of re-talking about how much he wants to be here long-term. Yeah, I mean, he's he's made no secret of that. He wants to be here long-term. He loves it here. His family loves it here. I, I'm sure he'd like to re-sign. I'm sure he's, he hasn't had any conversations about that, of course. He said contract talks haven't happened yet, but um, I, I just don't think he really wants to go anywhere if it's up to him. And I, I just, I think unless something really forces the Kraken's hand, unless they like lose out the rest of the way till the deadline, they're, they're not going to make that move. Yeah, uh, I agree. And Maddie's saying, I think Ebbs wants to stay here. That's certainly all the indications that he's given. Um, Scott, I think a big, uh, I think big problem is he's forced to play like a big center because his Michigan speed isn't as impactful at the NHL level. Talking about Beniers here. Uh, agree with five to 10, just something we're going into a corner. He doesn't lose uh, the puck. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and there, yeah, there have been a lot of times where he's lost battles because of it. Some of that you know you can coach, but some of it is just strength. <laughs> you just need strength. Yep. Uh, Jay, what do we do with Drieger after this season? Uh, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. He's going to go sign elsewhere and try and find a backup job in the NHL. Yeah, and I think he will. I think he will, especially because he's been playing fantastic for Coachella Valley right now. Um, and then, Matty, yeah, the lack of income tax in Washington can definitely definitely help us attract good players. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always worked in the other states that have it. Um, so got to imagine at some point it'll you know work for the Kraken, too. Although it's not as no. impactful as everybody makes it sound. I was waiting for you to get to that. You made a video about that. I did. I did make a video about it and it is, it doesn't end up being as much cause it's the federal taxes that kill you and you're not escaping those. So the, the state taxes, uh, at least for hockey players, it doesn't always add up to really being that much that it would maybe totally sway you from choosing maybe a better situation for your career, right? Where a different right. role that you think would be more successful for you. So yes, I, I do always bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see Viren, if you keep everly do you let tolvin in walk or does one of the current top nine get bumped to the fourth line no i don't you don't let tolvin in walk i don't think unless he wants no you an don't. absurd amount of money i but yeah but it's a good question though. i don't know who you even you know really could move of the top nine because right that I mean that gives you kind of 10 top nine guys if you bring in like a really good forward right so i i you know i don't know what you do there I, bringing back Everly, like cap wise again we've gone over at the armchair gm yeah, streams it, right it doesn't make a ton of sense not unless to say that much right unless he's willing to come back cheap and and take a lesser role right like if, if Everly's willing to come back but not in a top six role then it works yeah i mean you look at brandon tana making three and a half you know if you could have a similar kind of cap hit you know and, and playing a similar kind of role where can be top six if you need, but most likely gets flexed in the bottom six. 
you know, that's that's probably what we're looking at. Yeah. Um, a lot of people asking, well, either about buying out Berkey or is Berkey movable because he has Stanley Cup pedigree and GMs overvalue that. Uh, that's from Julia there. He is not movable at this current contract right now until he has shown that he can play without getting injured for longer stretches. The injury history just makes him pretty unmovable. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you can buy him wait- out, but that's not a good idea. No, no, it it not, it doesn't make sense. You just have to hope Berkey's healthy because I think I, given the way he's playing right now, with I think this is his longest healthy stretch of the season, uh, and this kind of will go into the next co- uh, comment that we're going to talk about here. I mean, he's showing you how good he could be today. He showed you how good he could be, even though he didn't end up on the stat sheet. Really, like he was fantastic out there. Um, and then Maddie's thing: when and why did to target bump to the fourth line? Well, it was partly because they wanted to get McCann up to play with uh, the Beneers line and, and get those minutes and everything. And in part, I think also because Berkey was playing too well on the fourth line, like they knew they needed to move Berkey up the lineup and then he could fill in on the second line, bump McCann up to the first line. Tatar makes sense then of those three to really be the guy on the fourth line. Yeah, and I mean, that you was... nailed it. of course, th- yeah, the Gord line is getting messed mess with. So that that just only leaves one spot for him. Yeah, and then that was for uh, the game. Bef- was it the Boston game? It was the game before the Boston game, right? We saw yeah, the that. Islanders game. The Islanders game was when that happened. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Tolvin is a crack in long term. I think from Fusion Mix, I agree with that. So, yeah, uh, I think we're we're all in agreement around there. Uh, and Lindsay, I do miss Tuna with more minutes. That sick handle in the slot made me holler. He he was fantastic. It's something that no other player on the Kraken has is that puck handling skill. Right. And I do worry about him being on the fourth line for longer stretches just because, I mean, that's the kind of thing that messed him up in Colorado. He is the kind of player who does best when he's playing top six minutes and playing with really skilled guys. So, you know, if he stays on the fourth line long term, I worry he might kind of get into a similar scoring slump like he did in Colorado. Yeah, but that would mean that Kraken players were staying healthy for once, RJ. Yeah, so I don't mind. Yeah, I don't <laughs> mind what that means, I suppose. But just for Tatar. Yes, yes, I know. I know where you're coming from. Um, thanks, everybody, for for all these conversations here, all the comments here that we've been talking about, all the super chats earlier. Um, thanks, of course, to Flatstick Pub for for sponsoring this. As always, talked about it. Uh, some of the comments and stuff that we've gotten back, the feedback from that first watch party. RJ talked about that up at the beginning. How much people enjoyed it. Loved having the the little kind of personal room there and everything. So uh, good stuff. Thanks to them as always. Glad to have you back at CPAR. RJ able to get in there, talk to the guys. I know how much you miss it when they're on the road and how much we miss the ability of you being able to tell us what they say right away instead of us having to piece it together, watching the cut up video on YouTube later. Yep, exactly. You get the whole media availability is even as short as they were today. Got to say hello to Daniel Sprong. That's always nice. So, you know, missed being here, missed all of that. So it's, it's good to be back and good to have five more home games on tap coming up. Yep. So excited for all of those, everybody, and we will see you all next time.